Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. When you start automating things, then somehow you lose uh, that empathic connection with your target audience. When you're communicating with people one-to-one, it's much easier to feel like, okay, this is not going to, uh, this is going to have this effect if I send that, and this is going to have that effect. Uh, but when you do that with a group of people, it's much harder. Um, that's, if, if you're a good marketer, that's one of the main skills you need to have. But if you want to um, feel it a bit first, having that one-on-one communication first is is really, really helpful. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with serial entrepreneur, author and speaker Pete Martin, and with storyteller and creator Paul Socket, then do check them out. But only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Jeroen Courteau. He's the co-founder and CEO of Salesflare, an intelligent CRM built for small to medium-sized businesses selling business-to-business most popular with agencies and fast-growing startup companies. And I have to say, I've been a user of Salesflare for quite some time, so it was a real privilege to speak with Jeroen. Salesflare itself was founded when Jeroen and his co-founder Levin wanted to follow up the leads for their software company in an easier way. They didn't like to keep track of their leads manually and built Salesflare, which pulls customer data together automatically and then actively helps you to follow up. It's now one of the most popular CRMs on Product Hunt and a top-rated performer on review platforms like G2 for its ease of use and automation features. In our conversation today, Jeroen talked to me about making customer relationship management human. We talked about using automation at scale and still keep the human element. And he explained how he lands guest appearances on podcasts. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Jeroen Courteau. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Antwerp in Belgium. Antwerpen, I think, is the correct pronunciation. Yeah, Antwerpen. Jeroen 
Cotode, who's the co-founder of Salesflare, which is a simple yet powerful CRM for small businesses that sell in the business-to-business space. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Jeroen. It's yeah. a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you for having me. Now, as a long-time user of Salesflare, I'm really pleased to be digging deeper into the philosophy behind your product and its applications, particularly since you're dedicated, just like me, to make, well, you're dedicated to make CRM human. I'm dedicated to make marketing more human. So there's good alignment there. And also, I'm really keen to explore your philosophy around getting on podcasts as a guest, because I know you've recently published a blog post. You did uh, over 200, I think, in a year. Yeah, we did uh, 200. It's a, it's a really great, great personal medium, uh, we believe. Um, that is, I mean, it's not scalable, like, like ads scalable. Hmm. Uh, but you can do a lot of them with, with relatively little effort. Uh, if you compare it, for instance, with doing conference talks, that's an enormous amount of work. Hmm. Uh, nowadays you don't really have to fly for them anymore. So that, that, that is, that is fine. Uh, but it's, it's, it is a lot of preparation to make that presentation, to nail it for actually very little, uh, return as a, as a brand. Uh, because you can mention your brand like I'm this person from that, but it's not like you can spend some time talking about the philosophy behind Salesflare, for instance. Uh, that would mm. never happen. Yeah, that's right. You have a specific presentation based on on a topic that matches their um, their theme, right? Yeah, yeah. So mm. podcasts, in a, in a sense, are are a really really nice medium, uh, and I really like it as well. Like I can just. Uh, Turn on uh, Zoom or uh, Scottcast today or whatever, uh, and we can have a chat, and that's recorded, and then lots of people can, can listen to it and enjoy it. It's really nice. Mm. All right, well let's let's make it really enjoyable, I guess. Um, you know, talking about Salesflare, I'd like to start with what what drove you to start Salesflare. What was kind of the key thing that um, turned you over the edge and said? Um, there's nothing there that really meets our needs, so let's do something ourselves. Yeah, yeah. We we weren't like thinking like we're gonna create another CRM. We knew that it was a, a space with a lot of uh, companies in there, and really really busy, lots of stuff out there, some really big names. Um, like I I checked G2.com yesterday and I counted 666 by by <laughs> CRMs. Uh, the big one out there is Salesforce, and that was what I was used to uh, when we started Salesflare. Um, it's a CRM that started off as something for small businesses, but then started shifting towards something that uh, is built for enterprises more than for small businesses. It's something that is extremely customizable. Uh, you can make anything of it, if only you have consultants to do it for you, <laughs> uh, because it becomes rather complex to do that. Um, now, in my experience with Salesforce, I always saw the issue where, uh, you know, we had this CRM. It was, I was, I was working at that time in a marketing consultancy and we would help, uh, large companies to set up their CRM, their sales or marketing. And we were using Salesforce internally plus, uh, at customers. Uh, and I always saw this adoption issue where people re- weren't really using the CRM. Um, one, because it was, it was complex. Uh, it was slow. It didn't feel like any of the modern consumer software you had out there. It was built for people. 
uh, not uh, organizations, let's say. And um, I always had this frustration of like, why, why does it have to be like that? Why can't we have something that works for us? Uh, but now it's some years later, uh, my co-founder and I, we had a, a software company that we were building out. We were doing in business intelligence. So basically making reports on data for people. And uh, we had a lot of good leads for our software. Uh, we actually had been to a conference. Uh, it was a big IBM conference. Our software was compatible with it. And we had a ton of leads and we had to follow them up to close them because we were all super interested. Um, and I knew that Salesforce wasn't really going to help us with that, which I thought, according to their marketing message, it, it should help you with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that that it, that wasn't really the case. And we looked further and we found some software that was more built for it, more built for us as end users, more for sales, like sales CRMs. And we tried these systems and then we came to the conclusion that these even didn't work for us. And that was not because they were not nice pieces of software and they weren't built for us and all that, but it's because they still came with the expectation that we would be this kind of, um, how can I say, almost robots who would perfectly fill out their CRM throughout a whole day. Like any little thing that we did, we would put it in there, this new piece of information, like you would send me an email with your email signature, I'd be like, haha, now I have Jurgen's phone number, I'll put it in the CRM. Uh, you sent me an email. I'm like, oh, putting that in the CRM. We book a meeting with each other. We put that in the CRM. Uh, I see this little piece of info about you in a company database. I put it in there. Like it, it takes an enormous amount of dedication, which we thought was almost superhuman. And if you didn't have that, de- that dedication, if at some point along the road, you'll, you'd like slip off, then all of a sudden, not all data is in the CRM anymore it becomes a bit more useless. Then you start putting a little less information in there, becomes even more useless. And at some point you just stop using it and your whole system, which is built on top of it, falls apart, which means that uh, essentially if you would ask our customers, what do you use Salesforce for? It's for, it's for customer follow-up and, and, and prospect follow-up. Um, that whole system falls apart. Your follow-up is is really crappy at that point. Uh, prospects and customers get disappointed. You miss out on opportunities. You don't ma- make as much sales as you could. Uh, and that has a, has a really big impact uh, for businesses. And um, beyond that, it's like the collaboration with marketing and uh, the fact that you don't have proper forecasts and you don't know who your customers are and, you know, all these kind mm. of things. Well, I, I think you certainly addressed one of the big ones that I've always found with the traditional um, CRM systems is a real problem. And I remember back in the um, in my corporate career where the company introduced um, ISO 9000 standards and um, yeah. having systems that talk to one another was a key part of that. And the, the CRM, I can't remember what, what system we used then. It was um, a big corporate thing. Um, and the big complaint of all the salespeople were, hey, I could spend all day just putting in information. I really want to be out talking to customers, so I don't have time to put in the information. And, of course, it never really got adopted because any time uh, those of us that weren't 
at the interface with customers wanted to look at something when we had customer meetings or presentations to do and we wanted to get some background information we'd go in there and it was empty you know it was just full yeah. of gaps so exactly like you said it fell over at that point so how does Salesflare address or overcome that need to kind of spend so much time actually inputting the information yeah so so we were in business intelligence right so we we were used to taking different data sources together and combining and all that um and we figured that actually the same was possible like all of this data input that we were doing wasn't strictly needed because all we we were doing most of the time was copying data from one system to another like i would see your phone number in in, in an email i would it, i would put it in the system i would there would be an email of yours put in the system we would have a meeting it would be in my calendar i would just put it in the system i would do a call which is on my phone put it in the system and we figured that if we could just connect to all of these places where the data already resides uh if we could build a system that like dynamically pulls that together so that it automates the whole data input but then still we felt like it's it should keep you in control so that you could still manually adapt everything sometimes we wouldn't like automatically do it but give you a suggestion and you can say yes that's that's good and then just click and it happens for you uh, if we could make that happen then basically you have a crm which tracks way more than you could ever do manually hmm. uh, contains all the data and then can actually start helping you so there's sort of like a an input output thing there Normally, a CRM requires an enormous amount of input and doesn't really give you output, like helping you to follow up your customers. If we can take away the input, have a lot of data in there, and then build on top of that data a system that helps you with automated reminders, with having just the overview, with automating emails, perhaps, uh, you know, all of these kind of things um, to follow up customers then actually people are going to use it because they get more out of it than they put in, let's say. While mm. normally it's the other way around with the added effect that the manager is looking at what they're doing. So they don't really like that either. Uh, so yeah. then people just end up not using it. Mm. So basically, sort of to wrap it up, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm using every feature of, of Salesflare, but I know that uh, any emails I sent because I've connected them. So any emails I send are reflected in Salesflare. So if I look you up inside of Salesflare, I can immediately see the feed of all the emails that we've sent one another and I can refer back very quickly then rather than having to search through Gmail, I can refer back in Salesflare very quickly. What did we talk about last time? What's, what's outstanding that I need to follow up on? And then like you said, it's it's also um, connected to the phone. I could directly make a call in the mobile app. The other thing it does, which I think is really cool, is it grabs information from places like LinkedIn. Yeah, it, it gets uh, publicly available social info contacts, and it also gets um, email signatures um, from emails, and it gets um, info from company database on company level as well. So it basically, the, the address book part is largely automated. And then it also pulls in the whole timeline, the emails, the calls, the meetings, any email tracking that you have. Um, so email opens, email clicks, website visits, if you have the website tracking on your website. Uh, so basically the whole interaction, like 
you know, the whole set of interactions you have with the customers automatically in there. Uh, and then on top of that, it will keep track of files. Like if you exchange files with me, then they're in the separate files tab. It pulls the Twitter feed in. Um, and then on top of the data, um, Salesforce can tell like, okay, when was the last interaction? Uh, it's more than that many days ago. Uh, Jürgen has set on, on that stage that he wants to follow up at least every 10 days. We can send automated reminders of that. We can also send automated reminders of uh, you forgetting to answer my email or forgetting to add notes to a meeting because that's still like a thing you need to do is hmm. type up notes and, and put them in the CRM. But that's just a, a few clicks. Yeah, yeah, that's... I mean, usually we'd be taking notes of some form or other and, and putting them in CRM is probably no more difficult than just writing out um, in a notebook. It's just easier to find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right. Now, um, you mentioned Salesforce earlier on, and clearly Salesforce, I think, is probably targeted more at the, the large corporations, but um, that's probably the level of competition that you're up against. How did you, as a kind of a small business just starting up, how did you tackle the uh, competition and the perceptions out there that, you know, this is just another... Um, Salesforce alternative. Yeah, it's a uh, versus Salesforce. It's, it's, it's relatively easy uh, versus Salesforce. It's like, okay, this is built for companies, it's built for managers, it's built for end users. Uh, we don't even really need to tell you the whole story about how it automates things. Hmm. Uh, people immediately uh, understand that story. Uh, when it's when it's more versus other uh, CRMs which are built for SMBs. Uh, small and medium-sized businesses, then uh, we have to tell the story of how uh, these other systems at some point uh, you'll 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 stop using them, uh, that it's hard to keep them up to date, and it's only people that have used uh, other systems that then will understand that. So it's a it's a smaller uh, segment, but they are uh, very frustrated. Uh, mm. They know the issue. They just don't know that there is a solution out there, which is a bit of the, the issue we're facing there then. So they, they, they stumble upon it at, at some point. Uh, but from there on, it's relatively easy. Hmm. I know, you know, your philosophy is, is the human part of making the CRM more human and, um, our, our philosophy is around the marketing. And one of the things for me is, staying in touch with people once once the communication has started keeping that communication going in some form or other and often it might be just as simple as three weeks or four weeks later following up with um, an email or a phone call that says hey i just want to touch base again and see how you're doing with that thing we talked about last time or or maybe it's just you know i found something that might be helpful here's here's something new but to be reminded of that is, in my mind, one of the big pluses of, of a CRM system because that's where you get that crossover into the personal touch. So the automation is actually keeping you honest, keeping you yeah. reminded and saying, hey, here's, here's your action list today. And I think Salesflare, actually, you can open up a, a page to start with where there's a list of actions that need to be done. Mm -hmm. by whoever the, the individual is that's logged in to the system and then you can do that. So I, I really value that. Um, 
talk to us a little bit about some of the other things that you've built in where you've taken that philosophy of how can you enable the person the user of sales flare to engage in that connection that human connection part with their clients or their potential clients and take away the back office stuff that you know maybe they normally have to do yeah the, the back office stuff is, is gone by automating the data input and then, then on top of that like i said earlier we have all these reminders like uh it's been so you can set like on a general level i want to follow up in general with people every 10 days for instance um it's it's rather short but that it's it makes more sense if you're really really uh, doing sales like uh, but you can also set it on a stage level. So if you map your sales process and you have the different stages in there, can be that in some stages you want to follow up every uh, two days and then some hmm. every month or longer even. Uh, so you can set it there as well. You get these automated reminders uh, from there while you get a notification. It's also in your uh, suggested tasks section um, and you can just click on it and follow up. Uh, from there, you get all the background uh, about people. So you know if last discussed and stuff, and you can easily pick up. Uh, what definitely helps as well, um, that's not that Salesforce will do for you. Uh, but what I try to do is understand what, what triggers people a bit, like what are their passions. Uh, maybe it's uh, they're really passionate about cyclism or something. Hmm. And you can say like... Uh, well, have you seen the Olympic Games this morning? Uh, you know, this guy there. And, uh, it's a, it's a really nice way to, um, build a personal relationship next to the business relationship. Because if you, if you send like this, oh, this is interesting for you, perhaps because it relates to this. Uh, that's, that's definitely nice. If you already can do that, that's, uh, that's, uh, a, a, a great level of human connection better than, uh, uh, just following up here or something mm. oh, it's kind of really generic emails um i think i think that's what we should aim for and this only works if for every single person that you meet um you you first take the time to meet these people uh you don't take it as yet another meeting but you take it as another human being to meet um and then uh, take good notes uh after the meeting because if you're talking to tens maybe hundreds for some people uh, uh people at a time um it becomes really hard to remember everything like that uh, yeah. so you need to write it down you need to put it in your system hmm. and i mean the old-fashioned way was um i know some of the old sales people that i worked with in my corporate career they'd have this notebook or address book and some of the ones that were really well organized would have exactly that written down so they'd have kind of pages of notes about um one person and they'd have things written down like you know um favorite food favorite meal favorite sport so they'd have all yeah. these things that they could have a conversation with them that they knew would excite them straight away uh, yeah so it's, exactly yeah. that is notebooks it, yeah. it was sometimes a bit of a mess. Like I, I, I remember right, yeah. having, having notebooks and then, uh, at some point the, yeah. the, the notebook is full and then you take the next notebook and then the next notebook. And at some point you have a pile of notebooks and then you're like, mm. okay, I need to know this thing about this person. And I'm like, where is this going to be? Yeah. 
go through all the notebooks. There wasn't, there wasn't any search function on the notebook. So you can just like type the name of the mm. person and find it. Um, that all is much easier with software, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and taking away the, I think the big value is, is taking away the need to enter all of that data. And I know, I mean, one of the things that, um, I still find frustrating with project management systems is, uh, I haven't yet found one that natively pulls in information from email and since you know, email is just mm. used so much these days that's um there was one that i used years and years ago um for for a while but i don't think that's around anymore for whatever reason um but yeah so the connecting the systems that actually brings the data in from places that we use anyway or in the case of social media where where if you're looking for information on me, it's information I've put in there, so it's likely to be accurate. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's a good one. Uh, if I'm looking for a new business idea, uh, I know how to build it. So hmm. oh, a project management system that you could connect to specific emails, that makes a lot of sense. It wouldn't be as automated, I think, um, because in the, in the with customer relationships, uh, basically you're in touch with specific companies, specific people there. So we can just fully automatically pull in everything. In this case, you'll probably have to be more selective because you'll mm. tag an email with a project or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a, a bit of more work involved, but it's an interesting idea. Mm. Okay. Now, I mean, we touched on the podcasting earlier and, um, you know, you've, you've built this system and, Part of the philosophy behind Salesflare, of course, is enabling you to have that continuity of conversation with business um, colleagues, business leads, and also continuing to build those relationships. So Salesflare is kind of the, the portal that has all the information and reminds you it's, it's time to get in touch again. Um, how, did, how did you take that whole philosophy? Because that's what I saw in that blog post you wrote about how to get on podcasts and be a good guest how did you take that whole philosophy and and turn it into this is how we're going to um, do this podcast tour if you like oh um we we don't uh usually start off with uh, amazing planning sessions or something uh we just start doing but we do it at a at a small scale first so we figure like, okay, we'd like to get on some podcasts. How do we find relevant ones? That's mm. uh, number one. And I think the first thing we did was, uh, I got this list from SparkToro. SparkToro is this tool at which you can uh, see where your audience hangs out and they define some, some podcasts. So we had a small list, I think it was like 30 podcasts or something. And then we started uh, prospecting. Um, so we started, uh, trying to get on these podcasts first, just with manual emails, um, just sending a first email, a second email and all that, uh, figuring out how it all works. We found out that lots of people use forums and that there's all these kind of questions you get, uh, all the time. Like, uh, can you send over a bio? Can you send over a picture? What can you yeah. speak about? You know, and you start getting more and more prepared. These first ones are a bit uh, annoying, um, but then after a while you, you you start nailing it down. But then you know you've you've gone through your list of thirty, and then the question is where do I find more relevant podcasts? 
And at some point, I stumbled upon uh, Listen Notes. Uh, mm. Listen Notes is a, is a search engine for a podcast, and I could find a lot of them that were relevant. Uh, so then the next thing is like, okay, uh, what are all the topics that I could talk about? Start mapping that out. Uh, because you want to be able to add value to the to the listener, right? You know, just get on a podcast where you have nothing to say. Um, and then we started uh, doing that, like doing searches. Started pulling out the information. Um, and then the question is, okay, well, what we noticed at some point, I think we were emailing and there were dead podcasts in there, like... You would email them and people would say, yeah, but, you know, we stopped this podcast a while ago. Yeah, no. And then you're like, okay, maybe we should filter on this list to avoid that we get these people. Um, and then sometimes we would uh, email people that, uh, like, we thought afterwards, like, why did we even email them? This is clearly not a fit. They were in our list. But, yeah, search results don't always, like, make sense. So then the next step is, okay, we need to manually filter out this list. We're actually going to check whether it is a good fit. And we only retain the ones with a good fit. And I have a whole explanation in the blog post about uh, what the different cases are hmm. uh, and and why you should definitely, definitely do that. Because I can see many people reading the blog post and just skipping that step altogether because it doesn't it feel like automation. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a really important step because you want to have, uh, you want to have conversations where there's a proper fit, um, with the audience, with what it's about, with, uh, the podcast host perhaps. So, uh, my colleague, Gary, she goes manually through the whole list and filters it out. Then we figured out the whole, based on all the emails we sent, the whole uh, set of emails that make sense according to the process we're expecting, uh, to meet. Because a podcast hosts, uh, they do a lot of episodes, so they have a certain process and you better follow it. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's through emails, stuff are arranged. Sometimes it's really, uh, formalized through these forms. Um, you prepare all of the things you need and, you know, you, you sort of start rolling into it. And, and, uh, the, the more you do, uh, the more you find out how it all works and the more you can, make it work a bit more like a machine. And then we took all that and we basically packaged in that blog post mm. for other people who want to try it. Um, I get personally, I have a podcast as well. I get a lot of weird requests all the time. A lot <laughs> of people not knowing what to, uh, what to do and what to have prepared and stuff. So it can only uh, benefit the world. I think if people are, are better attuned to yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you raise an interesting point there as you see it from the host side, like I do and like you do for your podcast. And, and sometimes you have to wonder, well, you know, if the people have put in that little effort into reaching out, um, or figuring out whether it's the right podcast and so on, then, you know, are they going to be bringing value along as a guest? I think you, you know, you, I mean, I, I, well, put a link to this article in the show notes definitely because I think you touch on a whole lot of really important points there. I mean, starting off with identifying relevant podcasts, finding out which ones are no longer active because once a podcast is published, it's still up and searchable and findable even though it might be a year or, or more that um, 
that podcast has been active, um, listening in to see whether it is actually relevant because the other thing that does is it gives you a bit of background on how the podcast runs and the sort of topics and the sort of audience perhaps, mm -hmm. um, which means that you're better prepared and you're going to be a much better guest being prepared. And then, of course, reaching out in, in a personalised way. So there's so much value there. And, and as you say, you know, there's different processes that people have as podcast hosts. Um, so I don't remember seeing it. Do you, have you put together a, a kind of a, a standard publicity package or a PR page, if you like, for going on to the podcasts? Uh, no, we, we, we have stuff in the, in the backend. I mean, mm. uh, if somebody asks for something, we send it. Uh, yeah. we don't have like, a we don't send through a, this is a PDF or something uh, with yeah. all the things you need. No. Yeah. I do. I just wondered about that because I've, I've set up a web page essentially where I send people to and I can update that. So that's kind of like the speakers. Yeah. Page, yeah. yeah. It would actually make sense perhaps. Uh, the, the one thing I have against it is that it sounds, but it starts feeling a bit impersonal perhaps, mm. but maybe, maybe it's not such a big issue as I think it is. Yeah. Like if well, you, I've got a bunch of like, here's the package, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've yeah. got a bunch of videos that I send people. So I send them a video and I get, then give them the link is more yeah. information. So, yeah, I always try to strike that balance between uh, being uh, more efficient and staying human. Mm. Um, it's a very important thing also when you're automating. Because it's very easy to go in the in the area where you're really yep. really efficient, but it doesn't feel human at all anymore. That's right, uh, yeah. and it doesn't come across as human either. So, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to have to try to keep that in mind that we're dealing with people, and uh, on the other end of the interaction, the person may experience it differently. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. And I, that's a big danger that I see in today's world of technology, and particularly in marketing, which is why. You know, we're so strong on making marketing human again. There's all these automated follow-up sequence you can have, you know, the, the, um, marketing, uh, the email automation and the decision trees and everything you can build in there, which are fantastic. I'm not against those. It's just they have to be used in a way that it's still a human relationship thing. And, and if you can take those and build that part so that the automation takes away the repetitive stuff that is taking up time from these conversations then and free yeah. up that time then it then it adds value the the thing is it's very hard to imagine things at scale uh but at scale but still um still human because hmm. uh when you start automating things then somehow you lose uh, that empathic connection with your target audience when mm. you're uh, communicating with people one-to-one -one, it's much easier to feel like okay this is not going to uh, this is going to have this effect if i send that and this is going to have that effect uh, but when you do that with a group of people it's much harder um that's if, if you're a good marketer that's one of the main skills you need to have but if you want to um like feel it a bit first having that one-on-one -on -one communication first is is really really helpful so you, you you do it with i don't know 10 people 20 30 uh first one-on-one -on -one, 
and uh, you you follow up fully manually and at some point you figure okay i'm always doing sort of the same thing mm. can i now make this one message where does the message need personalization uh when can i send it when should i send another one you just figure out by doing somehow and you automate it and i think you get to to better results than i mean some some people out there can definitely wing it uh, from the beginning uh, i'm not saying that but most people i think should take more that approach because a lot of the things that we get nowadays in our mailboxes uh whether it is people like uh, applying for podcasts like i have a podcast where i interview SaaS founders and i constantly get people uh emailing me these these huge emails about all their accomplishments uh, <laughs> in something that is totally not SaaS, yeah. uh, where I figure like, why are you emailing me first of all with this? And secondly, uh, if you want to convince me, this, this kind of huge email is not going to help. Uh, I don't necessarily want to read it. I just want to read a few points like, why should I have you on the podcast? Mm. Um, and then secondly, all these things you get like on, on LinkedIn, these automated connection requests and some of the spam out there from salespeople. Yeah. You often wonder like if this person would get it themselves, would they favorably respond to it? I mean, do they think that or <laughs> does yeah. this work? I don't know. Yeah, I, do. I, I did something a little while ago and, and I've started using that regularly now. I did a video where um in fact I, I can't even remember which one i use regularly now i did a bunch of videos because i had this experience where a an agency pitched me for their client to come on the podcast and mm -hmm. they started off by saying hey jennifer let's say i'll protect the name yeah. of the real person um we really love your abc podcast and abc wasn't the anova buzz podcast um and could Joe blogs, um, you know, Joe blogs would be an amazing guest because of all these things. And yeah. I thought, well, clearly they've taken a template and gone cut and paste. And it so happens that I knew Jennifer. <laughs> it's not a real name. Um, and I've had her on my podcast. So it was kind of funny. Um, and I knew the podcast that um, she runs. And I went back to this agency and I said, well, you really haven't convinced me and uh, here's some tips or here's a, one tip if um, if you want to improve your business, if that, this is your business, getting people onto podcasts and they're your clients, is, you know, if you must use a template, I would advise don't, but if you must use a template, at least get um, the right names and the right um, podcast titles in there. And then I... Oh, wow. Yeah, and then I, um, I did a video and published a, a blog post on i think i called it something like what excites me about a podcast pitch and i started sending that to people and i had one person who kept sending me um an email wanting to be on my podcast and i kept kind of putting that aside because i had to go and look up this person and find out who was mm -hmm. who was he and what had he done and he basically just said i love your podcast i'd love to come on and eventually I thought, you know what, I'm just going to send him a link to this blog post and this video. And I did yeah. that. And then he came back and he gave me a model pitch because <laughs> he came back and he said, nice. oh, now I understand why I haven't got a response from you. 
Yeah, send, send me that blog post. I'm interested to read it. Yeah. Maybe we can incorporate some of that also in the, the one that I wrote. Hmm. All right. Well, this is fabulous. So we've gone from um, sales SaaS software systems, uh, sales flare as, as a SaaS software CRM system to podcasting and how to be a, a great guest and how to identify the right podcasts to go on and then you know do some homework on those before you get on there. So I think it's a good time now, though, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience in business. So I've got five questions. Hopefully you'll give us some okay. really insightful answers and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. So what do you think is the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Uh, taking time for it. <laughs> no, I think uh, doing some running, uh, some meditation, mm. uh, sleeping well. I think those are definitely the most important things. Otherwise, not, nothing good will come out of you. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's In some ways, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? You, people say, well, I'm going to just focus on this and work really hard on developing this idea. But walking away from it and clearing the mind through one of the activities that you've mentioned, and of course, sleep is really important, um, actually frees the mind to kind of imagine what might be and come up with ideas. Uh, a good thing, for instance, is uh, well, taking a shower definitely works for me. <laughs> uh, lying on the couch or on my bed also works. Reading a book really works. And uh, uh, having a walk. Those mm. are the things when I get the, the best ideas. It's definitely not when I'm in front of my computer. Yeah, yeah. All right. And what, what so touch on this seamless transition, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Uh, what helps best for me is reading stuff and then taking some time to digest them. Um, so that's why reading a book really works well and mm. gives some new inspiration. I start connecting things. Um, I actually read books, uh, not just about SaaS uh, or sales or something, uh, from very diverse, um, very diverse topics. Like I just read a book on, on, on breathing. And mm. for that, I read a book on, uh, storytelling. And now I'm going to read a book on, uh, cryptocurrencies and, uh, and I don't know what else I read. Uh, I had one on, on cancer, one on sales also. One on psychology of money, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some biographies are sometimes also nice. Uh, and, and when you get in all these kind of different types of information, uh, it's much nicer, much easier to, to make connections there in the times where it then takes a little time to sort of let the ideas come. Mm, yeah. It's a great advice. Also, I think it's kind of, gives you the opportunity to switch off and, and relax a bit if you sort of read things outside of your own area of focus, your own work. And um, as you say, connecting the dots is is something that I think most innovative people have in common. Yeah, it's very important. So aside from sales flare, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Uh, a bunch. Um, I spent most of my time on Slack, I would say. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, for the older people, it's Microsoft Teams from before Microsoft Teams. 
uh, and now part of Salesforce, actually, part of our uh, largest competitor. So it's like part still... of Salesforce now, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's oh, a 27 yeah. billion acquisition. Wow. When did that happen? I missed that. Uh, I don't exactly remember. I think it's just it's just been closed, uh, mm -hmm. but I think it was announced somewhere last year or beginning of okay. this year. Mm. It's, it always takes a while, so I don't know exactly. Yeah. And so, so your team is remote then, is it? Currently, yes, um, in the sense that uh, we haven't uh, really worked in the office much in the last one and a half year mm. or so. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have a Thursday in the office, uh, although most, most people are on vacation, so it's just going to be the three of us perhaps. But um, mm. We've been working remotely throughout the whole pandemic. Uh, we've always worked remotely with customers, at least for the last five years. Uh, but internally, we, we always used to be around, around each other, same room, um, because we believe that that just made communicating and working as a team much easier. Uh, but over the past, uh, hmm. uh, period, we've, uh, we figured out also how to do it remotely. So. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think everybody's in the same boat there, you know, having, having to go remote. And then there's things that you can do that actually, um, make it work really well and Slack certainly is a really valuable tool there where you can have live chats um, with the team in different locations yeah so what's the best way to keep a client on track the best way to keep a client on track in what sense well if you're working with a client um, helping them do something what's the best way to keep them on track Oh, uh, having a track, I think. Uh, so in, 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 in the, in the sales process sort of kind of way, uh, if you, if you know what you generally, uh, take people through in terms of steps, uh, call it the buying process or the sales process, um, uh, because you always take people from, from point A where mm. they have a problem that you can solve, uh, to point B, uh, actually solving it. There's steps in between. Um, and if you sort of know what it usually looks like, that process, uh, like, like what it looks like if you want to get on podcasts, but then uh, selling your, 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 your software, um, or your consultancy or whatever, then if you know at every step very clearly what the next one is, it's much easier for you to guide people there. Uh, because you can, you can, uh, confidently, uh, show the way, uh, which makes it easier for uh, the people on the other side to see the next step. And that in the end, if you're, uh, if you're a salesperson is your job, it's, uh, guiding people from, from A to B. Mm. Um, so I think having a track is super important. You can always deviate from it. Um, but then it's, it's, it's like the exception. Yeah. Yeah, have a map of the sort of the customer journey mapped out and then be flexible though at the same time. Yeah. Mm, love it. Okay. Um, the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves. The number one thing to, uh, that, that is a hard question because you can differentiate them in so many ways. Um, I think it's, it's figuring out what the, 
the sort of um, paradigm shift is that can be made. Like in many industries, um, a lot of the things you'll see look very similar, but there's this one thing that you could change that sort of flips everything around, but nobody thinks it's possible. Um, I mean, if you can find that thing, I think it's the, it's the, it's the best way to differentiate yourself. Mm. Do you have an example in mind? Of, in our case, for instance, um, I talked to many people, uh, seven years ago when we started Salesflare, uh, to understand like, um, how they use software uh, to organize their sales and what was wrong with it. And, uh, people always said, no, there's nothing wrong with the software. It's the salespeople. They're lazy. If only they would use the systems properly, we would have no issues. And then we were like, but I'm sure the software can do a better job. They're like, no software is it is as good as it will uh, become. I mean, it will always need data input. Uh, this, is, this is just the way it works. And if we, if we can just take away salespeople's bonuses, uh, or, or fire them if they don't do it or something that that's the solution. It's not, it's not in the software. And we thought it was, it was the other thing, uh, which now help helped us to differentiate. It also helped us to uh, get ahead of the market a little, uh, in that sense, because if nobody else thinks it's possible hmm. and, uh, nobody's working on it, right? That's right. Yeah. Find a problem that nobody else is solving or nobody thinks is, um, the solution. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fabulous, Jeroen. Um, really enjoyed the conversation about all things Salesflare CRM related and, of course, podcasting. Now, where can people find out more about Salesflare, um, find out about you and the work you're doing, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Uh, if you want to find out more about Salesflare, like read about the software, find out our, find our blog also. It's in the header uh, if you want to read more about the the, the podcasts, um, or you want to try the software. If you click try it free, you can actually try it without starting an account at first. Uh, it's on salesflare.com and flare is F L A R E. And if you want to get in touch with me, uh, LinkedIn is still the best place. Uh, you can send me a connection request. Please do include a personal message. Uh, otherwise I have no idea why you're contacting me. I'll mm. assume it's spam because I get a lot of spam every day. Uh, but if you, if you send the connection request with a personal message, um saying that you heard us talk then uh, we can get in touch and, and, and have a chat hmm. yeah well there's another great tip there i mean we'll, we'll include all the links in the show notes to the salesflare website and that blog post and your linkedin profile but there's another great tip there don't send linkedin requests that are just um, clicking the button always send yeah. a message of some sort start a conversation yeah, I mean, if you if you know the person, if and then then sure, I mean, then you'll just accept it. But if you don't know the person and there's no message, why would you ever accept it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, do you have any parting advice for our listener today? Um. No, uh, maybe reiterate what I said earlier. If you wanna, if you wanna be successful in innovating and all that. Um, take some good care of yourself, I would say, uh, sleep well, exercise, 
create some good books and uh that's the most important thing lay a foundation to be innovative yeah uh rather than trying to uh push it out of yourself or something yeah yeah i love it and sort of taking care of your physical your mental and your emotional well-being as well mm. yeah definitely all right finally jaron who else should i get on this show and why um you could perhaps uh, get David Hansel on the podcast. I can connect you guys. He has a, a whole series of businesses. Um, one of them, uh, which is maybe interesting for the for the audience of your podcast as well, is uh, uh, he helps coaches be more successful, a bit softer, but also with uh, with his um, consulting. But he, he made the software. It's called UpCoach. I can uh, connect you guys. All right. We'll look forward to connecting to David and finding out more about him as well. So thanks so much, Jeroen, for sharing your insights and, and all the information, all of your experience with us so generously today on the Innova Buzz podcast. I've really enjoyed this. I hope you have, and I'm sure there's lots of valuable information for our listener in our conversation. All the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Yeah, this was fun for me as well. I hope you enjoyed that informative and insightful conversation with Jeroen and took something away from his episode. I love Jeroen's focus on providing value first, whether that's with Salesflare, his software product, or when he's considering a podcast guest appearance. I'd love to know what you took away from Jeroen's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Yeroen Corteau, that is J-E-R-O-E-N-C-O-R-T-H-O-U-T. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Yeroen Corteau. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Yeroen, as well as links to the Salesflare website, to Jeroen's social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, please do share it with at least two other people that it might help. You'll be doing them a favour, sharing this valuable information that Jeroen has shared with us today. Tag me in on that share and I'll reach out to you with a special thank you. Jeroen suggested that we have a conversation with David Hansel, who helps coaches with software on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So David, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Jeroen Courteau. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up including author of Marketing with Webinars, Tom Poland, and marketing strategist, Ardeth Elby. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. 
we want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.